0: And what we see is that actually, when we look at people's microbiomes, we can see things like depression and anxiety in the patterns of gut bacteria they they have. We can see ADHD, for example, in people's gut bacteria.
1: Welcome to the Binge Dietitian podcast. I'm Jonathan, and I'm here to help you end 24-7 food thoughts, binge eating, and actually enjoy life with food. This episode is for educational and informational purposes only, not to be substituted for medical or personalized advice. Check the link in the description for my recovery resources and let's get straight to the episode. Hi guys, welcome to the Binge Dietitian podcast. And I'd just like to really introduce you to a wonderful and lovely guest named Sophie Medlin. Um, but enough about me doing the introductions. I just want to ask Sophie, who are you and what do you do?
0: Oh, Thank you. Thank you for having me here. My name is Sophie Medlin. I am a dietitian. been a dietitian for a long time um, and I specialize in gastrointestinal diseases and disorders but also I look after people who have a complicated relationship with food, so disordered eating type stuff, similar to you, Jonathan, but perhaps in a slightly different way sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I've been working as a dietitian for a long time. I think I graduated in 2007, which feels like a long time ago. Worked through NHS hospitals, as most of us do, and then I was a lecturer and researcher for five years, and I more recently set up a company called City Dietitians. We've got a team of highly specialist dietitians who look after patients with all kinds of different uh, medical problems related to their diet.
1: Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Seems like you have a really good CV of helping people. (laughs) You mentioned earlier that um, in your in the things you do, that you support people with gastrointestinal problems, and support people with disordered eating. Sophie, like when you see people struggling with um, gastrointestinal issues, actually people who don't even have gastrointestinal issues, but who come to you to see help for disordered eating habits or disordered eating patterns, do you find that there are any gastrointestinal issues that might pop up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So all kinds of disordered eating, from binge eating to restriction and even sort of the orthorexia type pattern with that the the obsession with clean eating and healthy eating, clean eating and in inverted commas. Um we see that having an impact on people's gut health. Um we see I've seen patients recently who've, for example, done a lot of fasting and have landed up with really bad IBS type symptoms. I've seen patients recently in clinic who've done the keto diet even for a few months and then suddenly they've got terrible problems with their gut health and they can't figure out why. All the way down, you know, I work quite closely with some bigger um, eating disorders clinics who refer patients to me because their patients have gut health problems and I send them back for proper rehabilitation with a list of foods that are most likely to work for them in their reintroduction. And of course, it's a complicated thing, isn't it? Because if you have uh, an eating disorder or disordered eating, we're talking to you about trying to reintroduce foods and get comfortable with foods again. But very often, and I think the stats say 99% of patients who are in an inpatient eating disorders unit will have gastrointestinal issues in recovery. And so it's a very difficult and complicated thing. Um, And one thing that I think is really important to say is that for the vast majority of people, it will be recoverable. So when we have what we call a microbiome injury, from changing our eating habits for the worse and restricting our diet, uh, we think that's recoverable for most people. So as long as particularly it's not been over a very long period of time, we can see people's microbiome recovering really nicely and them getting over those IBS issues that they experienced during recovery.
1: Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And something we often think, like when we don't have the physical symptoms, um, it still affects our gut microbiome. But for those who are not familiar or familiar that there is a link, um, between the gut microbiome and our actually everything mental health
0: Not everything. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, would you want to talk a bit more about what the gut microbiome is and how food why what's the relationship between food and our gut and why? Maybe I asked too many questions. Like, but no, I love it. But, yeah, but, uh, why is the gut microbiome important? Really,
0: but this is my favorite topic. So, <laughs> like, thank for giving me the platform. So, one uh, a, a good way to think about your microbiome, and what we talk about your microbiome, we're talking about the billions and trillions of bugs that live in your colon. Your colon's a meter and a half long, so it's a big organ. Um, and the amount of bacteria that you have within your body, and particularly in your in your colon, actually weighs more than your brain. So, for us to imagine that it's not affecting our bodies every day is pretty naive, really, when we cohabit with these amazing creatures all the time. Um. It's also worth remembering that if we kind of boiled ourselves down into cells and divided up the cells, bacteria to human cells, bacteria outnumbers human cells by 10 to one in our bodies, which is amazing when you think about it. And for years and years and years, we've had this, as humans, we've had this big fight against bacteria. We've been giving people loads of antibiotics. We've been putting antibiotics in our food. We've been putting preservatives in our food to fight against, uh, to fight against bacteria. And actually, they're our friends and we need to look after them we need to take care of them. And if you imagine your colon is like an ecosystem all of its own, so if you imagine it's a bit like a planet or a garden, you've got to feed all the different types of bacterium and other species that live in there the right kinds of things. And in general, they like diversity of plant fibre. So they like all different plants in your diet, including herbs and spices and nuts and seeds and all of these different types of plants that sometimes we forget are plants. They like all of those kinds of things. They particularly like lots of different types of grains, and all of that kind of stuff. And as you can imagine through sort of modern diets and things like that, we've really limited the variety of plant fiber in our diets. And certainly when we have disordered eating patterns, we often have only just a few foods that we feel safe with. And that can mean that we end up really restricting the, the good bacteria that live in our colon. And the most important thing for them is diversity. So in order for you to benefit from health outcomes from your gut bacteria, you need them to be really diverse and all working together. And when they're working together really harmoniously, they all produce these amazing different chemicals, natural chemicals, important chemicals that act in our body. So they produce neurotransmitters. They produce 95% of your body's serotonin, your happy hormone. They are communicating with your immune system. 70% of your immune cells live in your colon and your gut. And they are telling your immune system when to switch on and when to switch off. And they're helping you to produce all these amazing neurotransmitters that affect your mental health, that affect your physical health that control inflammation, that manage your immune system, doing all these incredible things for us. And we've sort of neglected them. And certainly when we are on these pathways of disordered eating, we can really forget about the the importance of our gut health. And what we see is that actually when we look at people's microbiomes, we can see things like depression and anxiety in the patterns of gut bacteria they, they have. We can see ADHD, for example, in people's gut bacteria. Which is magic when you think about it. And I think that we are moving more towards a world where we can help people to have more of the good bacteria that improve their mental health, that improve their physical health, that can help to manage things like ADHD and other conditions that previously we've perhaps thought of as being fixed and not something that we can can adjust for people.
1: Yeah, wow, that's massively important. And especially if we're more, um, lack of a better word, bacteria than human, like yeah. word, then probably we need to really take care of um, our gut
0: for sure, um, definitely,
1: yeah, and but it, so at the moment of this podcast, we're filming it, and it's probably like um the early January, like new year's period, and there's going to be tons of diets, tons of uh, fat diets saying, you have to follow this diet if you want to get rid of inflammation, you have to detox this, if you want to improve your mental health, follow this very restrictive diet and what are, what are your thoughts on like these fat diets on? our effect on the effect to our microbiome.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I've been fighting against fad diets forever. And certainly for the last 10 years, since I've been using Instagram to try and raise awareness of these kinds of things, I, I, there's, it's such a mess and it's such a mess for people and it causes such huge harm. And I think that the, if you, you know, if for no other reason, if people remember that if you restrict your diet, you're going to be restricting your serotonin production, happy hormone production you're going to be affecting your mental health. It's that kind of long-term stuff. These have bacteria also regulate our appetite. And if we starve them, they think we're never going to get food again and they make us hungrier. They affect our hunger hormones. So this is why it's such a trap. And I think the kind of diet industry, diet culture, as we call it, just gets people young and vulnerable. And then for the rest of their life, they can continue on this pattern. If they don't get help, they can continue on this pattern of, of yo-yo dieting, of fad dieting. And when all your friends just talk about dieting and your family and your mom maybe is talking about dieting all the time, it can feel like it's the norm to do that. And that actually is, is what we should all be doing. And when the preps are on about it all the time and it's everything we read, it's really hard to get away from it. But really importantly, it's the last thing you want to be doing, particularly for your gut health, but also for your mental health and everything else.
1: Yeah. And you, that actually um, brought up an idea um, because recently you posted one of these uh, Instagram posts about a controversial, um, well, TikTok or Instagram influencer about, you know what I'm going to say? Uh, oh about, my God, maybe. You know, the, the Liver King?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, uh, basically, for those who don't know, he's an influencer who um, has six pack abs and looks strong. And he promotes a quote unquote primal diet, which is no fruits and veg, just only things which are quote unquote natural, which is like liver, um, beef brains, yeah, yeah. brains uh, testicles. also yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he he says, like, if you want to look like me, you'll have to follow this diet what do you uh, what do you think about that?
0: Well, I think that whole message is completely toxic, but on the point of him particularly, it's recently been revealed that he's actually been taking loads of steroids and loads of hormones to make him look like that all along. And all through his journey, he's been saying that he is natural. They call it Natty in the bodybuilding yeah, body. I yeah. he's Natty and, um, actually he's been lying to everybody just to sell supplements. So he's making something like a hundred thousand pounds at dollars a month, selling supplements. And actually it's just all fake. It's all the, the, the supplements that, the, the sort of drugs that he's taking that have made him that way. And one of the things I think is really difficult and harmful about him in particular is that he's been saying to people, no, you know, it's really stupid to take steroids. You shouldn't be taking them. That means that you're subprimal, he calls it. And that's his way of kind of dissing everybody. And of course, there will be people who have been just striving to look like him by eating more and more raw stuff and taking his supplements and and doing the things he says they've got to do when actually it's never worked for him and it's not going to work for anybody. It's all a lie. Um, That stuff is really toxic, really poisonous. I think it's... You know, unfortunately for women, we've been experiencing this pressure to look a particular way for a really long time, and that's really starting to uh, spill into the male community. And I I feel really yeah. bad that we've not done anything really as females to protect our male counterparts from this. And and you know, when I said that to women, they saw well, we're still very much fighting our own battle, and that's absolutely true. But at the same time, this has been something that you know we could have seen coming and and tried to not let it get as far. And I think. In terms of body positivity, men are, I reckon, maybe a decade behind women now.
1: By the way, just a quick break from the podcast to let you know of my free hunger regulation webinar series, which is in the link in the description of this podcast. There's also an ebook version if you're more of a reader than a watcher. This is the perfect resource I wish I had when I struggled with binge eating years ago, which is used to guide you from everything you need to know, from why we binge, what are the binge triggers and the eating pattern to stop binge eating. Because when we've been struggling with binge eating for so long, you and your body lose touch of what normal hunger and normal fullness is. You're constantly on feast or famine mode. So head to the link in the description of this podcast for the free hunger regulation resources to have a clear game plan to tackle binge eating for good. Anyway, let's get straight back to the episode. Because there's so much uh, discussion about like, try not to follow the heroin chic, um, yeah. So. Men, which is basically like the early 2000s, where you, you look basic, uh, being frank, l- look an- anorexic. Yeah. I mean, knowing that there's no specific look, but you have extremely low uh, body fat. But mm-hmm. I think there's this taboo about men not opening up about their issues because if you want to look healthy, quote unquote, you have to have six pack abs, you have to look like this. But in reality, there are some influencers that are um, raising awareness slowly. In, in little trickles yeah. uh, that oh, if you have six pack abs it's not worth it you'll feel like a zombie you yeah. d- dream about food you want to eat food out of the trash can Um basically from have
0: there the bigger influencers who previously have been you know really showing off their bodies on instagram have come back and said, you know i've seen some guys who've been on the cover of men's health for example starting now to say it's not worth it i wasn't happy i wasn't healthy and that's so important one of the things I notice is on say Netflix for example you might be watching something a series and in no part of that series have you seen a man going to the gym or working out at all but when he takes his top off he's absolutely ripped and so that man in reality is going to the gym every day and killing himself to have that physique but the media that we consume suggests that that's just what every man has under his shirt right without doing anything really to achieve it and of course you know as dietitians and as Healthcare professionals, we get that, and and hopefully as sort of mature adults, we get that. But for teenagers consuming that, I don't think that that is clear to them. They just think that's what is what is expected of them, and it's obviously not the case.
1: Yeah, it's very very toxic mentality to be frank. And going back to well, we're just basically talking about the the issue of social media, but I think it's really important to talk about it. That while we're saying that it's not bad to chase your goals, we should raise awareness that. If you're chasing like maybe a six pack, whether you're a female or a male, that there are some negative health effects. Like for females, you can lose your periods. And like, for example, like females are not meant to have um, six packs. You you shared an Instagram Instagram post about that. Would you want to share a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So we know from data uh, from people who live with eating disorders around what body fat percentage women need in order to have a menstrual cycle. And it's much higher than what you would require to maintain a six-pack. So, so, And obviously, what I think is important to say here is that some women are different to others. So you may be a woman who has a very lean abdomen that carries more weight on her bottom, for example, or on her arms. We can, as women, generally carry weight in different areas of our body, and that's normal. But for the vast majority of women, on, on average, we think that someone would need to have a body fat percentage of somewhere between 12 and 14% to, to maintain a six-pack or to be as lean as you would require to have visible abs. And actually, in order to have a regular and healthy menstrual cycle and be able to carry children, you need a, you need a BMI or sorry, a body fat percentage, somewhere more like 18, 19, 21%, even for some people. And so you can see that it's just not not healthy, not feasible for women to be healthy with that lower body fat percentage. And, you know, as you say, that is also trickling into the male community as well, right? Because mm-hmm actually for men while there may not be significant health consequences to having to being very lean although there are in terms of things like bone density and also things like sex drive and all that kind of stuff actually it's it's less damaging for men physiologically than it is for women but you know as you mentioned before in terms of your lifestyle for men and women you can't go out to eat with your friends when you're trying to maintain that you can't have a normal relationship with food you can't be have any energy, or be exhausted. There's so many negative side effects to having that sort of physique. And yet it's put on this pedestal of something that everybody should be striving towards and everyone should be trying to achieve.
1: Yeah. It's it's really like well, smoke and mirrors. Like it seems like a well, everywhere we go, like um that we should do this, you should do this or else you're not this. But the dietitians who are the qualified experts, the champions of nutrition, we say completely the opposite of everything. And this there's less of us. So it seems like, oh, are the, the dietitians actually correct? Do they actually know what they're talking about? Because this yeah. it was like a six pack is telling me to do this. So probably and this dietitian doesn't have a six pack, so don't know yeah. it's, it's really, really it's a strange um concept really
0: It's very difficult. It's that there's a lot of noise for us to fight against. And I think the most important thing is that we all try hard to say the same thing as a as a collective. And you know, one of the things that I've always been super Behind is championing all dietitians and trying to raise our voices. So using whatever platform I have, whatever voice I've got to talk about dietitians, how amazing we are what we're doing, Mm -hmm. so that we can try and and, and increase the voice, the collective voice, which I think is where we have this opportunity to drown out some of that noise. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've learned through my journey working with the public, let's say, or in the public eye, let's say, is that people will go off. Young people will go off and do their experimentation. They'll try keto. They'll try this. They'll try that. But they'll get to a certain point in their life where they'll go, "Well, none of this works. Who is saying anything different to this?" And that's when they come to find our kind of balanced middle ground. One of the things I think is really important to to say is that, like, as much as being like striving for these six-pack abs is really bad for you and can make you very unwell, equally sitting on the sofa doing no exercise and eating you know, a diet that doesn't look after your gut health, that isn't supportive of your long-term health, equally is bad for your health, right? And the middle ground is somewhere in between that. And that's where we're all pointing towards is this middle ground where you have a lovely, healthy relationship with food. You can eat whatever you want to, but you're also looking after your body and moving your body in a way that works for you and you're hydrating and you feel great and you've got all the good stuff. Health lies in the middle of all of these extremes. And I do think that people in general through their life will go and play at either end of these extremes and then they'll come back to the center. It's the same with veganism and this carnivore primal lifestyle stuff, right? Health is in the middle of that, certainly not either end of those extremes. And the same with various other things, paleo versus whatever else it might be, but paleo versus eating only carbohydrates all day. Like the mm-hmm. health is in the middle of all things, right? And I think we can support people to find that, but we have to be, you know, a balanced voice in all of this.
1: Yeah, it's really good that you mentioned that uh we shouldn't like be in the, either extreme. The per- we should find the perfect balance in the middle. And for those who are currently listening, they might be um wondering like okay, maybe chasing the six-pack isn't all it's uh, cut out to be. So and some people who might be listening at the moment might be thinking, okay, I'll try to eat a little more than maybe 1000 calories a day, but I'm worried that I might overeat. Do you think that um this um, ha- having a good microbiome i.e. by eating like more fruits and veg regular fiber just feeding your gut microbiome has a role in regulating your hunger cues which is That's like your gluten and ghrelin hormones yeah
0: for sure in terms of regulating our appetite eating regularly and feeding your microbiome is such a helpful thing to focus on and i think where people have Struggled maybe with focusing on the wrong things in the past in terms of you know the the constant pursuit of thinness above everything else. If you can go okay, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm just going to focus on feeding my gut microbiome, which I know will help to regulate my appetite anyway. Eating regularly is really part of, important part of that, and that will mean that I'm not ending up binging so much and struggling so much with my relationship with food. That's where you can find some real peace with your body, and I I think this concept of your microbiome being like a garden or like a a, a beautiful place, like the Serengeti or somewhere, there's lots of different species of animals, lots of different Mm. flora and fauna, lots of different species that need feeding. They need feeding different things at different times. We need to take care of them. That kind of self-care in that respect, I think, can be really helpful for people. It's like a a very different way of thinking about your body and taking care of yourself.
1: Yeah, that's good you mentioned that. And because what I preach with other people who are struggling with binge eating is that um, you're binge eating for a reason. Your body is raising some alarm bells because it senses some deprivation. Either there's not enough food or you're having these psychological cravings that are not being met. We're n- none of us are bro- quote unquote broken. Like, actually, it means that we're working well if we're uh, having these intense urges to binge. Just your body telling you, you need to eat a little more um, consistently. Because some people might eat a little more and then be worried about they're eating too much, then they go back.
0: And yeah, of course, and, and I think outside know, notices in my patients is mm-hmm. what people define as a binge might be actually just them eating not necessarily a normal meal, but maybe like, so for example, if there's a big bag of crisps in the house and they eat all of that, they might call that a binge. Well, actually, if you're hungry and there's a, there's a what we call highly palatable food available to you, you're probably going to eat it. Whereas if you were not so hungry and you were, you were, the crisps weren't on this massive pedestal, you wouldn't be so drawn to them and you wouldn't overeat on them in the same way that you feel you might. And actually, as you say, it's about regulating these things and getting these things into a good habit and pattern. And and that means that there might be a time where you, you know, have a few months where you're experimenting with your relationship with food and you're working on it. And some days are are good in terms of eating the things that you feel are helpful for you and the things you want to be eating and some days are less good but you're learning from those and you're coming at it from a non-judgmental way and your body will change a little bit in that time but ultimately one of the things that people say to me and it may be similar with you is like well if I feel like if I stop restricting I'm just going to overeat I'm going to eat everything or I'm not I'm going to gain loads of weight and it's going to be terrible and the truth is that when you let I mean, that's never worked. Like, restriction has never worked for you, right? That's never been the answer. So let's try something different and see how that works for you. And I think it's, we live in this world where people just think they've got to bounce from restriction to restriction to restriction when actually there's a a different way of doing it that resolves the problem in the long term.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, when you, like, it's like when you've been, like, probably, like, having, like, a tiny portion for so long and then binging, you only know these two extremes and if you're having something like a bag of crisps, like you said, that can seem like a crazy amount of food. But in reality, it's what any uh, like normal yeah. person who is normally following their hunger cues is meant to follow.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really uh, good. And actually reassuring for people who are struggling with their relationship with food. It's all about trusting. And uh, what I tell people is, uh, our clients, that, like you said, you've tried so many things and nothing's working. You can try trusting your body and trying to eat regular meals. And if yeah. I'm being frank, like if you don't, if you feel like it's not your thing and you're not enjoying eating regular meals and you feel like um, you're not getting much benefits out of, um, for example, these benefits could be like having mental freedom, not dreaming about food, thinking about food, then you could always go back to dieting. And I find that uh, all of them find that they just want to stay where they are, what find how, how good it, good life yeah. is. Yeah yeah that's amazing. Well, Sophie, well, uh, we talked so much about like s- social media, gut health, the importance um, of the gut microbiome, and I just want to um, end this uh, podcast because we're running short of time, but I'm sure people would love to hear more about you and probably work with you. So if people want to like work with you or follow you on social media, where can they find you?
0: So I'm at Sophie Dietitian everywhere, so it should be relatively easy Mm -hmm. to find. If you search for my name, you'll find some articles and things like that that I've written online. And my clinic is citydietitians.co.uk, so that should be relatively easy to find, at citydietitians on Instagram and other places. And we've got, uh, I'm really excited to say that in, in the next week or so, we've got a TV show coming out on Channel 4, which I can't wait for everybody to see. Um which is about, it's called Know Your Shit. So it's about poo, it's about <laughs> gut health. And it's just a show highlighting how much of impact dietitians can make on people's lives when they have a gut health problem, but also generally how much of an impact gut health problems can have on people's lives and all the things that we can do to try and take care of our microbiome. So hopefully people will find that interesting and useful and enjoyable.
1: That's literally so amazing. That's literally what we've been uh, just talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's, fair, it's been like a real... Um, you know, dream of mine to bring this into the public eye, and I'm so proud of the show and what we've achieved, and I I hope that it's received really well because it's certainly filmed with all the right intentions and with lots of you know care and hope behind it that it will start people really thinking about things in a different way.
1: Yeah, and and if you're listening to this podcast, definitely follow uh, Sophie and just watch watch her show. Find her on TV, especially if you're uh, living in the UK. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really amazing because you're not just um, talking about the gut health, but you're also raising the awareness of that dietitians. We don't tell people to just eat broccoli. Broccoli is right, sorry. Like um, whenever I'm eating a pizza, people are thinking like, oh, the dietitian's eating this? Yeah. Yeah. And so,
0: no, me- I'm so I'm so happy to be able to showcase what dietitians are capable of um, and that we're not just, I mean, even the, the presenters, Alana and Lisa, who run a company called The Gut Stuff, uh, Alana and Lisa were like, I've never really thought of diet apart from anything, apart from losing weight. And actually we talk about diet all the time in the show and the, but it's never about losing weight. And I was like, no, no, that's, I think that's the problem with the term dietitian, right? Is that we all get associated with weight loss and that's what we're all about. And actually that's far from being the case.
1: Yeah. Dietitians are very holistic. Like basically we work with anything uh, diet, um, from eating disorders to, uh, in hospitals, most dietitians promote uh, weight gain. but Really, like less less often that you'd find them trying to support people losing weight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean it's the same thing that some of us do, but it's certainly that the you know, it's maybe five percent of the the profession, right? I would say something like that. Mm,
1: yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Well, I'd just like to thank you so much, Sophie, for um coming along for this podcast.
0: My and pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'd just like to thank everyone for listening and make sure to follow Sophie bye struggling with binge eating gain access to my exclusive self-paced binge eating freedom course found in the link in the description of this podcast my course is everything I wish I knew when I struggled with binge eating but it's all wrapped up into one easy to understand platform you'll finally learn how to put an end to binge eating and put an end to food dictating everything you do controlling your life access it now in the link in the description of this podcast